Morning Tailgate is live from Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. Thanks to Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Now, here's Clay, Vinny, and Lindsay from the Las Vegas Strip. In the third hour we go, live from Radio Row, it's Lindsay Brown, Clay Baker, Penthouse, back in the studios. And we are now joined by Steve Weiss, Chief National Reporter for the NFL Network, co-host of the NFL Report, co-host of Game Day Preview. And it's awesome to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This Radio Row is, you know, it's, it's, it's robust like it was pre-COVID. And it's just great to see all the people here and the energy as we get closer to the game. Las Vegas is doing it right. Yes. So this is great. Yeah, there's a lot of singularity in this. I, I, things change in the National Hockey League after the Golden Knights came sure. in, not just the way that they competed, but also their in-game uh, performances and everything. And I think the same effect is going to transpire after the Super Bowl wraps up here in Las Vegas because it's just we're, we take care of people around here, don't we? And, and before we, we get into the, the deep stuff, Steve, when I was researching and prepping for this, you're from Minneapolis. Do you still live there? No, I do not. I you live in not. Los Angeles. I moved, I moved there when I was uh, from there when I was nine years old. So I went okay. to high school and everything in St. Louis. But I did grow up a Vikings fan. Okay. So I'm, I'm from mm. Minneapolis myself. Go. And so there that's where I was like, I don't know if you got out. I don't know if you've moved on to greener I pastures. I moved on to warmer pastures, but it is a wonderful place, and it still registers very deeply in my heart. Excellent. Well, well serendipity there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you a really random question then, because if they, if they were to win a big game championship, which fan base do you think would have the biggest identity crisis? because you know the Minnesota Vikings are going to be yeah, included in this group, yeah. but also I'll put in the Detroit Lions and the Buffalo Bills. Ooh. That's okay. Ooh like if, the if, fan base. Once yeah. you win, oh, your entire everything the changes, Bills. right? This has been your whole life has been about losing. Okay, look. Okay, someone who grew up, I'm old enough to have experienced all four Super Bowl losses, but they weren't consecutive, right? Like the yeah. Buffalo Bills. Oh, so if the true. Bills yep. were to win a Super Bowl, it would be everything. Again, it's a small market team. These mm-hmm. fan, it, the, the fans there, that is what they, they hang on to. So that would change the identity more than the Lions, more than the Vikings, the Buffalo Bills. See, I feel it. I feel it now. The way Steve says it, it's oh, like man. you throw it out there, and then you put it out there. It's almost like, you know what? It's almost like a, an order from, from the heavens. Oh, there it is. Happen. I'm going to manifest that power. Josh Allen, I, thanks if I, you. If, <laughs> I, if I had the opportunity, I would say have the Vikings do it. But yeah. I think the Buffalo Bills would feel it. Well, Raider Nation feels the same way because, you know, they have three Lombardi trophies, but yet it's been a long, long drought. Time, yeah. And when you have a guy like Antonio Pierce coming into the, uh, into the system now, and it feels like the right fit. Does it feel like the right fit for you for Antonio? appears to be the new head coach it it really does just because you know you hear him talk about i'm a raider i'm a raider now could that be his detriment if he wants to get a job someplace else could be Mm -hmm. but the fact that he feels the building you know this is a guy who played in the nfc east um he grew up in la when the raiders were there and and he tells the story a lot but just i think the fact that he had such a pulse on that locker room and the building and how when they made the move to him from Josh McDaniels, he let the guys be themselves, right? There's an old saying that Andy Reid has why he's successful. I'm going to treat you like a man until you give me a reason not to. And I think that's what Antonio has brought to this team. Be yourselves, but once you cross a line, we're going to have to do something about it. And I think the guys responded to that. Now the challenge for him is going to be maintaining that. You can ride the emotion of a wave. You can ride the emotion of an assistant coach who has closer relationships with players than a head coach only so long, mm. right? At some point, you've got to make a tough decision that's going to anger one of those guys who thought they were cool. I thought we were good. You're demoting me for that guy? Mm-hmm. Things can turn very quickly. 
right? So he's got to be able to have a good delegation of his coaches, coach them properly, so the players are always feeling the purpose of what you're doing and not just the emotion of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, I think he's a master connector of people, Antonio yeah. Pierce. And, and I think we're seeing that become more prevalent in the NFL in old power structures. What I say goes is the law. You can't talk to anybody without me. And, and that's why I think Bill Belichick is on the outside looking in. I don't know how long he'll stay there. I don't know if the league's passed it by. What, what's your thoughts on that? Because I was a little surprised that he didn't end up in Atlanta. I was not surprised. I mean, I was saying all season long, if this is it for him, how many teams are – going to even really be interested in him because mm -hmm. it's not just a my way or the highway type of thing players can deal with that players like to be coached mm -hmm. but i think it's more of how he he ran the operation it was a very authority uh, an authoritarian regime in mm -hmm. new england where he was the general manager he was the president he was the ceo and he was the head coach and a lot of buildings aren't like that owners now want a, a separation of church and state so to speak mm -hmm. they want a personnel front office to check what's happening in football operations. And even though there may be one person with more power than the other, collaboration is a word we often hear now in sports. And that isn't necessarily the way that the Patriot way worked. And I think a lot of people sitting outside are like, yeah, I'm a little scared of that. Mm -hmm. Same time, they also know Bill Belichick is the greatest to ever do it, but will it work? Because the fact that things went downhill the way they did once Tom Brady left, mm -hmm. That's got, that's got a question mark over people's heads. Plus, just the trend is the young leader type of guy like an sure. Antonio Pierce. We can't even say the offensive guy anymore because of the eight head coaches hired. Four were on the defensive side at least. There might have been five. Swinging back the other way, the league is. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Hey, the Chiefs are here because their defense is great as Patrick Mahomes is. Speaking with Steve Weish, uh, uh, NFL Network, Steve I love this interview you did with uh, Steve Spagnuolo uh, just a few days ago. What did you glean from that? Because he kind of explained why their defense is so successful, but yet it might be the underlying story of this game. It is. Well, first off, it is the underlying story. Like I said, the Chiefs, they're not scoring 28 points a game. They're scoring about 22-23. It is their defense that has locked opponents down. When you look at what they did to the Ravens yeah. and that mm -hmm. offense in the conference championship game, that was overwhelming. But Steve Spagnuolo talked about it is the IQ of his players. He said, this is the smartest group of players I've ever coached. Think about that. He coached Giants defenses with Justin Tuck, you know, uh, Osu Minura, Michael Strahan, Antonio Pierce. The best of the best. And they're young, too. Really, really, they're young. That's the thing. He mm -hmm. said, most of my secondary is only in its second year in the NFL. Yeah. He said, but the fact they came in as rookies and they adhered to what I was teaching but also understood the nuances of what opponents were doing. He said, there was a situation where right before a game like a friday before a game hey we're going to try this we're going to do this got it that's it they didn't have to go out and rep it 20 times so the fact that they can do that allows them he said in game to make changes everybody gets it they understand it mm -hmm. which is why they get progressively better as a game goes along so the iq of it plus the physicality of their secondary mm -hmm. they get hands on receivers at the line of scrimmage they disrupt the timing most offenses in the NFL today are timing offenses, such as the 49ers. It's just going to be hard, though, because the 49ers motion so much. They come a lot of what they call condensed set, where they bring a bunch, three, a three-person bunch right to the tight end line of scrimmage mm -hmm. and then deploy them in whatever way. So yeah. it's hard to get hands on guys that way, and that's going to be the chess game and the counter that we're going to see throughout. 
We're talking to Steve Weish, one of the biggest players in the NFL, the networks, the reports, the previews. He does it all. And and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs just have a bad marketing team at this point because it, it, it's all about Patrick Mahomes, but it's about the defense, right? But then you look at what the 49ers are. They're the more talented roster, which yeah. is definitely true. They've yes. drafted well. They've built differently. They've they, This has been a long time coming, and they've missed out on Super Bowls even a decade prior. And so where, where I'm at with this and where this is, progression is going – is how do you really overcome that when you're the 49ers, when you have all this in your corner, you have all these checked boxes, but you see the magician, you see the defense that you're facing in that. And so how long do you think the 49ers need to wait to blitz Patrick Mahomes in order to keep him at his absolute least lethality? You know, that's not really what the Niners do. The Niners, they like to win with four up front, Mm -hmm. which is something they did not do against the Lions in the first half because the Lions ran the ball on them. And that's something you have to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Their interior players did not play well in that game in the first half, I'll say, when, I, when the Lions rushed for about 150 Good yards. point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then they tightened it up. Like the linebackers' run fits were better. Mm-hmm. They, they fixed that part. And that's another element of the Chiefs, speaking of their marketing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They've committed to the run. Remember, in the divisional round, they only had 47 offensive snaps against the Bills. They ran the ball 25, 26 times. Mm-hmm. So Isaiah Pacheco. Some of the screen game things they have to do, that's going to be important. But to get back to the the Niners aspect of it, how do you overcome all of this? You just do what you do. Don't ask Brock Purdy to throw the ball 35 times a game, even though he's done it and won. You run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. You have your defense get a takeaway here. Something the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, but you got to get a takeaway in a game like this to stem momentum. It's a huge game. So both sides of the ball have to complement. But the Niners' physicality, and please don't think that the Chiefs are a finesse team, but the Niners' physicality has to come into play at some point if they're going to win this game, and that could be on either side of the ball. Steve, we know you got to run. I just want to end on this. Listen, uh, you have our condolences to losing your friend and producer, yeah, Larry, uh, Campbell. Larry Campbell. He passed away recently. You know, producers often never get the credit that they might deserve. What can you tell us about LC that we don't know? Well, it was great, you know, and thank you for bringing that up. So Larry Campbell had been with the network for 17 years. He produced our show, The NFL Report, with yeah. James Palmer and I. And, you know, when you launch a show, there are a lot of things you got to work through before you finally get your audience, before you finally find your legs. And we, we were on LC like, yo, man, you, you got to get this. You got here. Our show is an interview show. You got to work this in. Got you. Got you. He was easy breezy. He had health issues, man. And so everything we thought we were going through to develop a show, he was going through 10 times worse just to get up every morning. And sometimes you lose sight of that because people carry themselves in a way. Yeah. So the fact he had such, a, such character and such a good spirit about him knowing that any day – could be his last i mean it's just something that makes you understand that there's so many more things important in life and having a positive outlook really does change things and the fact now that we lost that in a human being really makes you reset the dial Mm. see really what's important we're here at the super bowl we're talking about this but enjoy what you're doing enjoy the people you're with and understand you may not have it quite as hard as somebody else Steve, it's really awesome to have you on. Thank you again for bringing oh, that for having and letting me. us know about LC. We really love your work over at the NFL Network, and uh, we wish you the very best this week because we know you're moving around, so thanks for making time. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. It's the Morning Tailgate Raider Nation Radio. We'll come back after this on the Morning Tailgate. Oh, awesome. Oh, we're live on Radio Road. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Good to meet you finally. 
And we had a uh, great conversations with both uh, Steve Weish and Jake Plummer, as well as Trey Tucker and DeAndre Carter. And we Trey are, Wingo. And Trey Wingo. Trey to Trey. It's a new Trey and a new day at Radio Row. And I'll tell you what, we are going to be joined. Uh, we got some interesting stuff as we wrap up the show. As uh, Farmer Wants a Wife in their second season on Fox, we're going to have two of the farmers, uh, Ty and Brandon. Can't wait to talk to Ty Farrell and Brandon Rogers. But also we'll have Bonnie Jill, the first and only female NBA scout, as well as the former assistant GM of the LA Defenders. She will join us as well. She also has done some great work over at NBC Sports Bay Area. She's done uh, everything. Covering the Niners. I, she's had more careers than some people would have in like a whole generation of families mm -hmm. in just one lifetime. Can't wait to talk to Bonnie Jill. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how even, uh, you know, as that conversation with Trey Tucker, as he talked about, you know, how he wanted to like take this offseason to improve certain things in his game but how cognizant he is of com comparables with guys like Tyreek Hill when you asked him that question he was like oh yeah you know what he's somebody that understands who he is but yet he still strives to get even further ahead by looking at who is ahead of him on like the overall you know food chart of uh, the NFL yeah he just seems like he's got his head on straight and with some perspective and uh, the, the last answer that he gave us when he was talking about, you asked him about what are you going to get out of, you know, being mm -hmm. around here. And it's his first, you know, after his rookie year in Vegas, he hasn't really established himself here in the city but outside of being a football player. And, and he said he wanted to obviously give people a chance to get to know him as the person, Trey Tucker, besides the football player. But also that he said, this is great because it's reflective for me because people will ask me questions and then I'll think about things that I haven't thought of in that particular way before. And it make you're like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah. this guy, this guy, him and Michael Mayer rooming together. Like those two, I've, I've only briefly spoken with Michael Mayer. Both of them have been in the chamber of chaos. Trey was actually the first guy in the chamber of chaos. Uh, You'll never forget and, your first. No, but they're both so mature for their age. And I, I think there's a uniqueness to them as individuals, of course, and probably their respective journeys. Mm -hmm. But then I just think younger people figure it out a little bit earlier than probably previous generations. Because so many of the, us are forced to be entrepreneurs. We are very aware of being watched. You're, you're a high-level athlete, so you have a future. Like, I remember being in high school, me and all my friends, that we ended up going playing Division One hockey, Division One here all over, that we did not party in high school because we knew that that would cause implications for our future, and that wasn't something that we were willing to mess up for a party on Friday. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm very enthused about where this team's young talent is going, but more importantly, where their priorities are and how they go about their business. One thing I liked about the Trey Tucker interview is he talked about his relationship with Michael Mayer mm -hmm. and as they had to room together in camp and that uh, – you know what, that Michael Mayer sleepwalks. <laughs> and he drinks water <laughs> drinks loud. gallons of water loud. And it He's even on the plumber up. plan, though. Jake Plummer says, wake up randomly and drink some water. That's what Michael yeah. Mayer is doing. He's just asleep. Just start your he's day off, right? Yeah, he's, he's just getting, asleep Getting still. ahead of the game yeah. on rehydration. But when he says, like, he could hear Michael walking around on the floor because he just clomps around. You know, it, it's funny because they still have fun with each other. Yeah. There, you can tell there's, like, a deep love and respect. But, you know, if you ever live with somebody and they are just making noise that you're like, this is getting on my nerves and i don't know how to else tell you but please stop it stop clomping around right. at night can you tippy toe <laughs> could you could you walk just ever so lighter oh, it'd be great <laughs> i feel bad too because trey said he was very light sleeper and so that's just you're and you're rooming with a giant right so it's like <laughs> ho, ho, michael ho. michael mayer is a big boy that's oh, so funny and like uh you know even for for his role in the next part of this offense where could it be you know and 
you know, as we starting to see like, you know, some news come around the league that the Titans are now expected to hire former Raiders interim OC Bo Hardegree what? as their new quarterbacks coach. Thank you. Oh, Q. okay. I was like, what? It's like all, right, all the vacancies are filled up, right? Well, they don't have a head, they, they have a head coach already. So Bo Hardgrave is going to go be the OC there, which is a step up QB, or oh, uh, QB, QB coach. coach. I'm sorry. So maybe he's going to help kind of develop Will Levis in a way. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, that you know, Bo is somebody that was really challenged last year to try so many different things, and it wasn't until he left the field to get up into the booth to start calling plays as an OC True. that he was able to like find that magic spot. And they just blew out the Chargers in short day rest. And I wonder, too, because I really don't hold what the offense was against Bo Hardegree because you have to leave so much installed from the previous regime. You're not really sure if that's how he would envision an offense, how he would envision things going. And that's not going to be his role at the next stop. But just think of the lessons that he learned while being here. And so I'm not really sure what that offense is going to look like with Will Levis, but I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of options with him to run and barrel through because yeah. that guy, is, he's the one that puts mayonnaise in his coffee, right? It's a disturbing delicious. individual. A disturbing individual, but protein powder in human form, that is Will Levis. <laughs> we I'm we sure need they'll you to figure something weight. out. Could you eat mayonnaise and on everything so you have gross. and drink it as well? I, mayo is disgusting. <laughs> Could you imagine if we brought that up to Jake Plummer and he's looking at the, on the back of his ingredients yeah. of the can and he's like, and mayonnaise. And mayo. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know if mayonnaise is organic. I don't know if that comes straight up from the ground, does it? What is a mayonnaise made out of, technically? Well, it's, it's cream, it, it's, right? Yeah, it's egg whites. It's basically. egg whites. Yeah. Cre- yeah, no, you know how I feel about white condiments. It's a no go for me. Is it really? It's a no go. Ranch. That's pretty. There's two. Blue cheese. Nope, nope. There's chunks in it. I don't so like it. If we go uh, 50 yards that way to get wings, mm-hmm. uh, they offer. You know, free ranch. No, I, I don't know. Blue cheese. No. With, with, zero. with I don't the carrots really like, and celery? I'll, I'll eat barbecue wings, like okay. barbecue, like a, yeah. a sweet barbecue sauce I can I can definitely uh, roll with, but or I'll do plain wings. I'm not really a huge wings person, though. Yeah. Probably I because I don't do the dipping sauce. Because you don't do the dipping yeah. sauces. What you also think about, it was great to have Steve Weishu to kind of, like, put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, to go and find out, like, what could be, like, the hidden story of the game. It's probably in the defenses. I don't know if it's hidden. Is it hidden anymore? Well, I think everyone still feels like, hey, you know what? Two great teams. Everyone loves to see Super Bowls that are full of high-scoring affairs. And anytime you throw a Mahomes uh, addition into that, you feel like points are going to be scored. I think points are going to be something that each possession is going to have tons of magnitude towards it, and you're not going to see the kind of game that you feel like is going to be a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I just I think defense is the umbrella. Specifically, I think the linebacker and that shallow underneath, that's going yeah. to be the battleground in which this game is won and lost for both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Because whether you're talking about the 49ers and their run defense, not exactly the, the hottest of stuff, but there's a degree where they allow that because they're like, please take this avenue and try to, try to beat us this way because you're probably not going to be able to do it and then on the chief side as steve was talking to us about their secondary how snarly they are but up front it's chris jones and then kind of everybody else and yeah. i know there's other stuff and we did um prep when we were still in the regular season regular season with the raiders where they're a very highly penalized team as well and so there, there's different ways to do it but it's all about that underneath so if you're tackling for the running game for the 49ers or you're trying to make sure Patrick Mahomes doesn't escape at this particular time that's why I asked him about the blitz mm, because yes. it's it's he's right where the 49ers don't do it a lot but you also can't not do it as well right and so it's like but it's about timing with Patrick you can't have him escape early and you can't have him draw it out too late either there's a there's a sweet spot to be met big time there's you're a right. sweet spot to be met and so 
Uh, and that's all going to be on, on a lot of the linebacker play and how aggressive they bring into safeties and corners and then obviously the lines up front. So, it, you know, Steve also kind of alluded to that um, if you got a young secondary like the Chiefs do, you know, maybe that plays in the hand of what the Niners want to do on offense, especially with, you know, they always offer the same looks but do so many different variations with tight ends and wide receivers that it's impossible to find something you feel like I can consistently defend because they're going to try to take advantage of the inexperience of youth. But you know what? I don't know if that's possible. Right. Well, and inexperience, too, and the way that Steve talked about them and, and their their ability to make adjustment and, and apply it right away. We talk about that with coachability. It's not just being open to it. It's being able to apply what needs to be applied right away. And so even if they are being confused a little bit, even if they are having some bells and whistles lead them astray you think Spagnola doesn't know that he's gonna be able to go to him and say hey here's the adjustment because it's about mm-hmm. command Watch right and if they have that if they have that ability to do that and ask that within themselves as a cohesive unit well then it doesn't really matter because then we're making the adjustment and we're able to execute on that new adjustment it's uh it's the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio uh we'll take a quick break here because we're set to be joined by the Fox Group, Farmer Wants a Wife, uh, Farmers Ty and Brandon. Can't wait to talk to them on their amazing new show, as well as Bonnie Jill will join us at 945, the first and only female NBA scout with the Lakers. She will join us as well. A lot to get into, and we'll get your thoughts up on the text line at 702-365-9200, 702-365-9200. Here with Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, and Fed House. Back at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios, all of our coverage is brought to you by Paul Pedalaw, where it's not about the injury, it is about the recovery. Back after this on The Gate. All right, we are back here live on Radio Row inside the Media Center, Mandalay Bay Convention Center, and the center, the epicenter of activity for Super Bowl weekend. And we'll keep you updated on all the news and notes around the NFL here on this show, as well as JT from noon to 2 and Q Myers from 2 to 5. Great guest up and down the dial. So keep it locked in to Raider Nation Radio all day long so we can give you all the good stuff. Uh, news coming out, uh, some interesting comments coming from Max Crosby up at NFL.com. You can read this story where on an interview he was with uh, Andrew Siciliano and Baldy uh, from the NFL Network, and he says this quote, Selfishly, I want the Chiefs to win so we can be the ones to take them down and take them off that pedestal. Would you expect Max to answer that question any other way? No. <laughs> Max wants to beat you at, at your best. Yeah. He wants a true best-on-best best competition, and that's why he's certainly a, a top competitor that I've ever been around, uh, professional or amateur sports uh, included. And, you know, I, th- there's something to that. There's something to being the one that takes down the evil empire, Yeah, because right? I got a taste for it now because we did it on Christmas. Correct. And as I uh, alluded to yesterday, technically, have the Chiefs really won a championship without the Raiders' help? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think if you wanted to source the material properly uh, to out. make sure that yes. uh, you're not plagiarizing anything, you know, where, where everything starts and when – the Raiders beat their ass on Christmas Day at their house and ruined their entire holiday. Destroyed them. Uh, they had to have a, a entire organizational deep stare into the abyss in the mirror in the bathrooms, it right? Hurt. It hurt. And they've been on a tear ever since. And so uh, I, I, I'm not shocked that Max wants to usher that in. And it's going to be a gauntlet. This AFC West is going to be a gauntlet, not just this season, but obviously as this as the programs mature that are that are in this division. We're just in the first, second year for Sean Payton. He's the second longest tenured coach yeah. within this division, and so they're all going to be kind of growing at the same rate and trying to catch up to the evil empire. And so I hope the Raiders put 
make the right moves to put themselves as the best challenger to do that. You know, and even as yesterday, as we were kind of talking about, all right, Luke Getze officially named as your offensive coordinator. What's this offense going to look like? What do you want it to look like? What about other free agents that have been explosive in the past that could be, you know, uh, a possible acquisition to make the team better? Or one that might be hitting free agency, and that's Josh Jacobs mm -hmm. here on the Raiders. And the NFL.com has put out an in running back index ranking all 72 starting running backs. Oh, boy. Uh, and um, where do you think Josh is ranked in? Uh, and it's based off of this past season, or is it a cumulative? This yeah, this past season, the 2023 and it's how many season, and names? out of 72. God, I don't want to piss anybody off. No, it's okay because uh, the NFL is 35 because it's my favorite number and it's the best number in the whole wide world. It's pretty close. Is 26, it? where he was, you know, a year ago. Top 10. Top 10, or maybe even one of the Easy. very top. Now it's 26, and they write this kind of like this little, uh, this little uh, blurb underneath. One year after claiming the league rushing title, Josh Jacobs crashed to earth and looked like the player he was in 21. Okay, take it easy. Uh, also, 2021, you know, the team went through so much turmoil in 2021, just like it was in 2023. 2022, he, it was all his. He, he so you're saying maybe it. he runs better when there's not as much turmoil around him, perhaps? They had to, like, do different schemes. Uh, you fired, Both coaches were fired in both those 21 and 23 seasons. It's hard to get replicate seasons when you got so much chaos going on at, for play calling and at management. That, these things and happen. And you ran him into the ground the year before an obscene amount of carries because it was the only thing that was working on that offense. There's going to be retribution to pay for that. And because of the contract dispute, he never went to camp, and we all know how uh, a lot of the nation and, and us on the show feel about how that just set him up for timing mismanagement or just not able to solidify that down for any yes. sort of uh, semblance of time. And it just was like that all year long. I love what you said about timing. It's about timing. And like this blurb goes on to say, yeah, he was injured uh, over the final month. That doesn't leave the best impression heading into free agency. Maybe one running back. They don't back know that what isn't. his injury thing was all about. It was right. week to week. It was week to week. week, to week. He but wanted to play. Maybe a running back by the, in December that doesn't get banged up and bumped up that much. And yeah. think about how the offense was plagued by everybody that you were playing in the first half of the season was loading up the box and preparing for the run because he didn't respect Garoppolo's arm. And so yeah. not all this is on him. You know, it was an offensive line that I didn't think that uh, an exemplary job best. Mm -hmm. at best, right? Mm -hmm. So all these other things kind of like kind of mar the image and really the perception around Josh Jacobs, who, you know, after five years. He also didn't years, run well. Yeah, you know what? And there were some problems there mm -hmm. where when you see what it looked like with another running back, mm -hmm. it made you feel like, all right, there's there's room for questioning. Is this still the same Josh Jacobs? Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's where uh, how much does that extra carry season loom? Is it just is it just going to shadow over this this now completed season? Okay, could be. Does he have a, a whole off season to get fresh, get uh, whatever shape he needs to be to be a little bit better when it comes to getting through contact, make pe making people miss like we've seen him historically? Because it wasn't just that uh, he had troubles in, in areas that he usually dominates. It's not just about rushing yards; it's about how he went about it, and he just. He would get touched, and it didn't go very fur, fur, much further after that. And so I, maybe with some more added rest, you don't push the injury towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. But again, as we were talking yesterday and as we've had this discussion over the last few weeks, price point's the main point. Price point's the main point. And if he wants to be here, that's amazing. But that, that might come with some sacrifices, and that's a, a tough ask for someone that is still, what, 26? 
27. He's not, he's not, it's not like he's in his 30s. And so I, I worry about the running back market for multiple reasons, but I worry about Josh Jacobs because he's still such a young guy, but he's, he's kind of approaching that market where you sign one-year deals with teams. Yeah. Uh, but that usually doesn't happen until your 30s. But it's it's just different now. It's, it's in transition in the worst part of his career. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is. A, and it's like for a free agency, you're going to be in a in a class with guys like um, Tony Pollard as a free agent this year, Derrick Henry. Also, you got guys like Saquon Barkley, but also Austin Eckler, former Charger. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how will they start looking at him? You know, as a and way they all like, do something very special and unique, mm-hmm. right? Like Derrick Henry is going to be that batter ram and a team that needs that type of player, that that stature and everything that's going to go out. But like Josh Jacobs, what makes you special? What does and it, yeah. and where would that fit the best? Who needs that your 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 best the most? That's what I look at. I, I, I think uh, Telesco's got a lot of uh, things to, to, you know, to consider when you think about mm-hmm. how do you make this offense more explosive, but also find that physical balance that you know Antonio Pierce wants. And we'll get your thoughts on that on the text line at 702-365-9200, 702-365-9200. We're live on Radio Row. Here at the Media Center, it's all brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It is about the recovery. We're going to take a break because we're going to be joined by Bonnie Jill Lafla. She's the uh, first and only female NBA scout, also former assistant GM of the LA Defenders. We'll talk a little basketball. We'll talk a little 49ers because she's also with NBC Bay Area. All that and more here on the Morning Tailgate with Lindsay Clay and Fenhouse here on your third hour of the Decade. Oh, thank you so much for joining us here as we are live on Radio Row here on the Morning Tailgate. It's all brought to you by Paul Pedalar. Coverage, it's Paul Pedalaw, not about the injury, it's about the recovery. We're really happy to have you all with us. You can catch us up online at lvsportsnetwork.com for our photo galleries as well as our podcast page because we're really excited to have Bonnie Joe Laughlin here with us first. Female NBA scout with the Lakers, former assistant GM with the LA Defenders. Pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's exciting. You know, we're day four, but I feel like it's day 30. We're just starting to settle <laughs> into oh, it. The groove, and then it's going to be I'm, over. We're going to miss it by tomorrow yeah, morning. I, mean, I don't even drink, but I'm exhausted. Like, just, you know, all maybe these that's different the problem. And, uh, maybe that's the problem. I don't drink either, and I'm just dragging. I know. And everyone else who's drinking seems very uppity and, like, on it. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> well, but Bonnie Jill, I would list all the things that you've accomplished, all the professions that you juggle, but it'd probably take up too much time, honestly. <laughs> So I ask you, when it comes to your jobs, which one comes most naturally to you and which one requires a little bit more of a mental or physical elbow grease? Okay, I'll go with the with, which is hardest for me, and okay. that was writing this book. Because I think when you know, go to broadcast journalism school, you have like your producing, your on-air talent, your editing, your shooting, producing, and all of that is like easy. The writing I always kind of struggled with, mm. you know? And so when I had to write this book, I was like, whew. I can, this is hard, like writing an article. Now I've got to write a book, and so that's a struggle for me. And then on-air talent and just like speaking, hosting, anchoring, mm-hmm. uh, reporting, sideline—that's like easy. I mean, I do a lot, a lot of research. I'm not over sure. like the night before a game. Like you should see me on my notes and sticky notes and highlighters. But um, I still feel like that's the most natural because I'm such like a people person. So it's like that's easy when you're, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're with someone else that you can bounce off of, whether it's an athlete, you know. Yeah like yourself one of us we're bouncing another another media member but writing that's tough because you have to get kind of into a zone and and i'm kind of add so it's like a lot there's deadlines (laughs) you know and people want everything right now and they also want to keep up like where are you at on the book and the book is called in a league of her own celebrating female first in sports what was it like for you to write this book and and uh, what was really like the influences that made you uh 
take this on? So what it was is I wanted to like have a book that encompassed all the ladies who have you know, shattered glass ceilings. And everyone kept saying, I want you to do a book on yourself. And then like a tell-all. I'm like, first of all, I'm not doing a tell-all. They wanted me to tell all my Lakers and Cowboys days and Niners days. I'm like, no, <laughs> that will not be happening. So I wanted to do something more empowering and inspiring. Mm -hmm. And so I interviewed each lady via Zoom. And then I had to transcribe all of that. Then I had to break it down into like different sections and then oh, put cool. it into a chapter and... It was a lot. How long did it take um, you to do all that? Well, it was three years for me to try to get the publishing deal because no sure. one wanted to take a chance on women in sports. We books. don't sell anything. Who would buy anything from Thank us, you. right? Right. Yeah, they're like, nobody oh, no. buys. They're like, is there something that's a little more dramatic? And I'm like, these chapters are going to be dramatic. They're We're just caricatures show, to that. Yeah, so. trials mm -hmm. and tribulations and the sacrifices that we've, you know, mm -hmm. right? We, you know what I'm talking I about. I know. So uh, when Roman and Littlefield said they wanted to take it on and they were excited about it and they're like, wow, we're number one on Amazon for new releases. I'm like, oh, shocking. And so, you know, it's just funny, though, how people were not yeah. wanting to take a chance. But, yeah, and then um, they only gave me, once I got the deal, they gave me um, about nine months to get the whole book done. Oh, thanks. Wow. And wow. so and nine months felt like a lot. It was not because when you start like you know people have their off seasons that are on vacation and then there was do you know what I mean there we'll was circle all these back things. with you in two weeks yeah mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. or like just yeah I'm interested but like yeah. and then I hate being that person who's like stalking you but I'm like I really need you in the book like Billie Jean King I'm like I, I hate being a stalker but right I'm going to be stalking you <laughs> like if you see me at appearance waving at you that's me who's still like you know but right. it was amazing that it all came together and all the ladies I think. What I loved about it, they all said they were like really happy that I did this book, mm -hmm. you know, because they thought that it was so timely and that there was a book for the younger generation and the younger females to see there's a space for me on the ice, off the ice, in the front office, on the court, like whatever it may be, that they now see a dream that actually could come true. Pushing the boulder up the mountain, that's all we can do. Yeah, and one step push, at a time, right? Exactly, and try to push a little bit further so the next crop can come in and, and, right. and take up that same uh, that same cause. And and you have a lot of causes that, that you're involved with. I know that you're a huge advocate for service animals and for people, your foundation, Hounds and Heroes and Horses, yes. works to bring those things together. Uh, what or who inspired you to help in this way, your why? Well, um, for the military, I wanted to combine both my passions, which was military, supporting our military, and then also animal welfare. And being from a military family, mm -hmm. and I went on 19 USO tours, and I saw when the guys came back, men and women came back from deployments, no one cared about them. And I'm like, you know what? PTSD, TBI, amputees, let me rescue a dog that would rather be, you know, otherwise be euthanized. Yeah. And now train them as a service or a therapy dog and pair them up with a combat veteran. And then we do the same thing with horses. We rescue horses from kill pens. And then we do equine therapy retreats. And we do wounded warriors. And now we expand it to disabled children as well. And we see Incredible. the difference that animals make. They do. I don't know if you guys are animal people, but like a dog comes in here wagging his tail, you see everyone kind of light up, you know? So I know yeah. that uh, makes a difference. And I don't want these veterans to be, you know, medicated up and, you know, and they have, they're on 20 pills and now it's not, not making a difference on this dog gives them purpose and they're able to actually like, you know, not just like exist, but living. Mm -hmm. Bonnie Jill Laughlin here, the book in the league of her own available on Amazon and booksellers everywhere. Could you touch on the USO tours? Because you would go into certain places where you had to completely disguise yourself. But yeah, talk about the impact that you had for all those service men and women that needed to see some sort of connection to the outside world. Yeah, I went on eight um, tours to Afghanistan, uh, seven to Iraq. 
and uh, it was amazing. It was like uh, you were, we were bringing a piece of America to the men and women there that their day was monotonous. You know, it was like very Groundhog Day. And so when they saw that all of us would come out, and Toby Keith, the late Toby Keith, he was with oh. uh, me, uh, Wayne Newton, um, a bunch of us would go over there. And we'd do a big show, of course, but the time where we had one-on-one -on -one with them, and they talked about a buddy that they lost, and they just wanted someone to talk to. And okay. I ended up being pen pals with so many of them, young kids. And when a, co a couple of them were killed in action, and their mother said, hey, can you come to their funeral? Because you were the only one who, like, kind of with you know and nothing romantic it was all platonic but just like you know they're 18 year old kids sharing over there stories sharing stories and mm -hmm. what they did and um it was probably the you know uh when it goes back to like memorable experiences of course all the sports stuff is great but that those moments were my probably all-time favorite being over there you are a person that makes an impact in multiple ways bonnie joe laughlin my god it's just a, there's a long list of everything and i'm, I'm a huge fan i can't wait to get after this book Lindsay, I got, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna send you one. Oh, uh, please yeah. please if you wouldn't I, mind I will, promoting it i i'm all about promoting women because it, yeah. it's again the and cause you know what was women in um sports Yesterday. yesterday and i, I didn't even yeah. know we're gonna get a picture how bad is it. it that i didn't know and i'm running around the book and i'm like oh, yeah. everyone told me that i'm like uh, uh why didn't no see, one asked me that here's my plan because i knew <sighs> that the rest of the week i'm gonna meet with a bunch of great women yeah. like yourself yeah. i'm doing a post later on to like do a belated so maybe you could oh, do that where yes. it's like i'm so busy promoting my book which also is like that. the message of this entire holiday that. and lynn you know what i love too that you're here is that we were talking about that um, not to pivot but that good. They're not, there wasn't a lot of women on Radio Row back in the day. When I first was on Radio Row, I hate to say it, it was just you guys. It was yeah. a bunch of guys. <laughs> You're right, it was. And now there's females, you know, hosts and anchors, reporters, but also publicists and handlers and, do you know what I mean, agents. And it's kind of neat to see that there's a lot more women on the grounds. Yep, that's what we're all about. Get the book in a league of her own. Bonnie Jill's here with us. Amazon.com and booksellers everywhere. We're out of time. Thank you yes, so much for making so time much. for us on a busy day. I know. Thank you. It was so much fun. Can we do I this again back. soon? All right, yes, good. I'll be back in a couple weeks, actually. In Vegas. Excellent. All right. Yeah. All right. For, for Bonnie, for Lindsay, I'm Clay. Have a great day, everybody. Finn, back at the studio. Catch our podcast up at LVSportsNetwork.com and our photo gallery, all brought to you by Paul Petalot. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Rich Eisen's next. Have a great day, everybody.